When I started out podcasting remotely, it was challenging, but then I found out about Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution. It makes the process quick and painless the way it should be. Anyone who knows me knows I'm obsessed with the quality of video and audio production, and Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video, not to mention it's easy to use. My guests who aren't even tech savvy can use it, and there's nothing to download. All they have to do is click on the link and and join, and it's that easy. Let's talk about the quality. Zencaster can record up to 4K to give you the picture-perfect quality that your video deserves. Zencaster will also distribute your video podcast in 1080p to all available video podcast players. Zencaster is all about making the podcasting experience super easy. With everything from local recordings to automatic post-productions, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode done. Go to Zencaster dot com slash pricing and use my code it tech talk all one word you'll get 30 percent off your first three months of zencast professional i want you and me to have the same experiences and creating great content for our shows Hello and welcome to IT Tech Talk. I'm your host, Joel Ward, and with me is Gary. Gary, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I am awesome. It's been a it's a nicer day than it was yesterday. It's not raining, so I'm able to get some yard work done today. Um, yeah. I hope the weather, it looks like the weather's good where you're at. Yeah, can't complain. That's Living good. So Gary, what is it you do? I know what you do. We talk through email, but what is it that you do so my listeners understand, get a better understanding of what you do as a, as a business or as um, a person? Sure. I, I run Real Defense. Real Defense is a consumer security privacy company headquartered in Pasadena, California. We have we operate about 10 different brands. Our number one brand is Iolo, and we have a very popular product called System Mechanic. It's a consumer privacy security and optimization suite for Windows devices as well as uh, uh, mobile operating systems. And so been around for about 20 years, uh, have have uh, been growing steadily, and we um, market our product around the world. That's awesome. So what got you into that? What made you want to get into the cybersecurity world of like internet security? Well, it's obviously needed product category. So anyone mm-hmm. connects to the internet needs some form of cybersecurity, and whether you're a business or a, a individual. And so we've uh, found some areas or some gaps in the in this, this industry that needed to be filled. We don't particularly focus on antivirus, but we do develop our own privacy tools and security features that other companies don't offer. And so we've found this uh, this this unique category that makes sense, and we have millions of consumers who are paying us, and and millions of users who have free versions of our product. And so it's been doing pretty well for past for past few years here. What um what enterprise level options do you offer for clients in the enterprise uh, uh, realm? So we don't necessarily sell enterprise solutions. We do okay. sell license our technology to companies who ultimately sell it to consumers. So it's B two B to C. Okay. And so we don't provide our technology doesn't really work for enterprises in closed environments. It's a consumer facing product. Okay, so basically, you're you're um you're providing cybersecurity uh solutions for the local like the everyday consumer. Everyday consumer. Okay, and you were saying it's what was it B to C? What was that? Is it B to B to C? So let's say you're a software company who okay. already sells to consumers, and you want to add a feature or capability that you currently don't have. 
you would come to us, we would license you the technology, and then you would sell it to your customers. Okay. So like companies like Intel or Microsoft or Google would reach out to you and like ask you to put their your software on their systems. That's right. Okay. That's so it's kind of like what McAfee and like um, Norton Antivirus do. They pre come pre-installed and something, something like that similar. Absolutely. Okay. So how, so when did you start the company? So we started a company in 2017 and we uh, built the company up as a acquisition vehicle. We basically acquired four different companies underneath us that, that have already been in business. And okay. so uh, each of the brands that we've have, have some, some of the brands have been around for 20 years. Like Ayolo has been around for 21 years, I believe. And so we, we've acquired these companies. We've optimized them. Some of them were declining in business. We turned them around. We've optimized the technology. We brought on some new uh, management from Norton, Avast, and uh, beefed up our management team and, and just turned these businesses around and made them more profitable. Now, what sets you aside? Um, let's go over the difference. What sets you aside from Norton, Avast, uh, McAfee, uh, all these other companies? What sets you What sets you apart from these companies? Sure. So first of all, uh, I don't know if you heard, but Avast and Norton are, are now one company. Norton bought Avast. Yeah, I so did not now, hear that. No. Yeah, they're now the biggest antivirus company on the planet. Um, McAfee was recently sold to uh, a group of private equity companies okay. for a substantial amount of money. So they're um, going to be, you know, ultimately the biggest companies have always been and always will continue mm-hmm. to be the biggest antivirus companies. What they what the they the gap is uh, in in certain areas of consumer privacy and security that have uh, have not been addressed well by these companies, and so. We developed a technology, particularly that deals with optimizing your uh, uh, device so that your internet's faster, that you can stream better, you can game better. Also, provide you additional layer of privacy that these other products don't necessarily provide in the comprehensive manner that we do. And so, we've developed a code base that allows you to to block certain tracking on your device. So, for instance, the Windows operating system turns on certain tracking by default, You, we allow you to mitigate that tracking. We don't necessarily okay. think that, we just think that you need to be aware of this tracking and you need to have controls to turn it off or turn it on. Uh, uh, Windows and other operating systems and other technologies like browsers and search engines make it difficult for you to know what's being tracked and how to turn it off or on. And so we give you that flexibility within our privacy suite. Within System Mechanic, uh, we have a, a feature called Privacy Guardian. And when okay. you go in, you have all these different tools at your disposal. So that's unique in the marketplace. If you look at other co- companies, other products that are in this category, they don't give you this level of control, this level of sophistication. And so um, we have PhDs that are working on this stuff. This is not some toy or some you know, trivial tool. This is a very comprehensive solution that mitigates privacy on your device. Do you offer VPNs through the company? Yeah, so we don't develop our own VPN, but we do offer a VPN. Okay. Uh, it's a component of our overall suite, our security suite. Yeah. Now, you said you, you don't offer it personally. Who do you offer it through? Well, we offer it directly. We don't oh, okay. develop it. We license it from someone else. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And is that part of, now, is that part of a subscription or how do you, how do you, is Talk me through the packages. Like, what is the what is the basic user package and all the way up? What's your, what do you so basic user? What would the basic user get? Like, does someone who just wants it on their computer for like everyday use versus someone who really wants to go all hardcore? 
Sure. So a typical user will buy a, a yearly subscription to System Mechanic Ultimate Defense. And this product includes optimization, privacy, password management, antivirus, um, and disk drive optimization. So that that's uh, $39.95, a range of different uh, price points around the world, but it's about $39.95 a year. And in, in addition to that, we sell a technical support service that's $19.95 per month. And what's unique about the service is that it's fully remote. You don't have to take your device anywhere. It's for any device, for any operating system, and any software that you have on your device. So Outlook goes down or Adobe is not working properly. You call one number, technician will dial into your computer in real time and fix it. You don't have to wait. You don't have to schedule anything. It's real-time support. And so uh, that's included in the, in the subscription service. Now, alternatively, let's say you went to uh, Geek Squad or someone else to have your computer fixed. You're not going to get this level of, first of all, it's going to cost you at least two to $300 per incident. And then you have to leave your device with someone you don't know over 24 hours or 48 hours to get it repaired. Now, that doesn't sound like a good deal to me. If, if for $19 a month, you can get real-time support and actually see what the technician is doing in your device in real time and not be concerned about them opening up certain files that you don't want them to see or doing something to your device, installing something you don't want them to install, you'll have full control over that with our subscription. And so, um, it, it, and that's, you know, we, we introduce other products during these subscription calls. And when, when uh, a customer calls in and says, I have a computer problem or a printer problem, we always point out things to them that they're not, may not be aware of and say, well, by the way, you're, you know, you need extra tool here. You need this subscription there. And so we're consultants, like a trusted advisor, and not just technical support people. That's awesome. So for $19 a month, you can get like technical support. On t- now, is that in addition to the um, package? So you, so you would add that onto your uh, $39 a month package? Yes. Or is that like, could you just buy the $19 a month um, tech support? Yeah, you can buy it separately. You don't have to do it on a monthly basis. You can- okay. Pay for it for a year, and that's actually discounted if you prepay for it for a year. Um, the software is not thirty nine a month; it's, it's thirty nine a year. For oh, thirty nine a year. Okay. Yeah. What yeah. do you have monthly subscriptions? For software, we don't. Just for okay. services, for identity okay. protection and tech support, we charge monthly. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. What is the monthly plans for the 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 stuff you just mentioned? So, uh, identity protection plan is nineteen ninety five a month. Um, it's a little different than uh, services like LifeLock and others. There's more features mm-hmm. in there that, that are missing from uh, the LifeLocks of the world. So, um, and, and then technical support, uh, we just talked about. We also have a warranty service, an extended warranty product. So okay. we noticed that a lot of people are keeping their devices beyond the, 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 the warranty provided by the manufacturer. So that's usually about a year. And so if you have your computer or laptop, let's say for two years, well, the warranty is expired already. And so we have this inexpensive product that you can buy and you can add warranty to your device. If you have a lot of data in your device and you use it for work or, you know, school, like that, that PC is worth more than what you paid for it. Yeah. Because of all the data. Tell me about these warranties. So say I was to purchase a warranty, same. So I've got this uh, Microsoft studio uh, and I, like wanted a warranty for it because it's already been past a year uh, and I've got a warranty through you guys. What would that warranty entail? What would it protect me from or get me? So the basic one is uh, breaking your screen or some physical damage to your device. That's very common. So 
screen gets broken, keyboard falls apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is uh, data recovery. So let's say you deleted something or you okay. had a, a virus and that virus corrupted your drive or deleted applications or data, we're able to recover and get you back to normal. So those are the most common use cases. And uh, I have a question. So uh, I actually, I'm an MSP by trade. Um, do you work with companies who like are just uh, MSPs and stuff who are using to, to like market their material for them? Yeah, the biggest uh, uh, internet service provider um, that we work with is actually one-on-one internet. Okay. You probably, Ionos, you probably heard of them. They're our, our biggest partner. Um, in terms of MSPs, we don't particularly reach out to, to these groups um, as a, as part of our marketing uh, initiatives, but we're planning to. And so okay. we think there's a great opportunity if you sell to consumers or if you have small businesses that sell to consumers as part of your network, uh, this will be great for them. We just haven't had the opportunity to sort of direct our marketing attention to, to these groups. We haven't found the sweet spot. If you know how to do it. No, I, I, I got it. No, I just was curious because uh, that would be a, a good service to have, especially as an MSP. I, I, I don't really recommend have, – have a really good – I don't really trust Norton. I've never trusted Norton after installing my computer one time, had a horrible hack, um, never trusted it again. I've never – I've always deleted McAfee. I've just kind of stuck with the Windows Defender. And mm. sometimes I have a vast actually on here, but I don't even know if it even works. Um, I just kind of like have it running. So, I mean, I've been looking for a security – to have my computer and to market to my clients, but it's like finding a company that actually works because like, I, how am I supposed to recommend Norton if I personally got attack on my computer and it broke through Norton? So it's like, how am I supposed to recommend something if it didn't work? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, you know, Norton is a great company and so is McAfee. They, they spend a lot of money on threat research. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say that there's probably no one on the planet that has the the scale or size of threat research teams that McAfee, Norton, and other companies of their magnitude invest into, you know, discovering new threats. And so uh, whether or not a particular environment, like particular, uh, uh, you know, desktop environment or, or a business environment is adequate, you know, properly sort of matched with that technology mm-hmm. that's if you're running certain applications on your device and Norton is conflicting with those applications, that's unique to your device, you, you know, your environment. So that could be the issue. Um, generally speaking, these products are well tested before they roll out. And, you know, generally there's no issues, but um, it depends on your environment. So if you, for instance, you're a high, you know, a streamer like in terms of you're streaming constantly using mm-hmm. certain applications, you may be suited better off, you know, using maybe a different application, but you have to test mm-hmm. it on your device to see how it works. And so uh, that's, that's really important. And um, all these technologies are different. You know, Norton uses their own proprietary code. Uh, so does McAfee, so does mm-hmm. ESET and Avast and all these companies. They completely different suite of tools. I, uh, the, I actually have a VPN in my house uh, through Winston. I don't know if you ever heard of the company Winston. Yes. Yep. Yes. And it was okay for a bit. And then a buddy of mine installed his version that he found online um, on my servers. Cause I, in the 
behind this wall on the other side of the room, there is a whole server rack running my client data, my podcast data, my Plex servers, my Minecraft servers, and any all my other, I have like a whole bunch of power edges running in the background. And oh, wow. for me, it's actually really loud, but <laughs> I have it like kind of like tuned down. So you probably can't hear it, but it is loud. Um, but uh, I actually do have um, a VPN running on my network to confuse people from hacking in um, because there for a while, when my Plex server was up, it's actually down offline right now due to the, the attack. I'm sure you saw that attack on the Plex uh, media servers. But I actually had Plexes down on my server because uh, at one point there was an attack on my network from the Russian Federation. That's where my wow. attack was from. And I was confused because I was like, why is the Russian Federation trying to attack my server? And then I isolated it down to the Plex server, which was my PowerEdge 720. Um, and I was like, okay, we're shutting this offline for a little bit until I can clear the system, reset everything, um, change my passwords, change the VPN, um, because I didn't want anything else to be hacked in my system. Now, it seems like it was just an isolated incident, but I, I, that's why I was curious if you offered enterprise-level stuff, because I do have servers, and I was curious if your system worked with my servers. Yeah, you're, 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 you need something a little bit different that, that we don't offer. This is a enterprise grade um, tools that can detect mm-hmm. this type of attack. Because you're talking about a very specific narrow attack against certain environments. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, the type of blocking and tackling tools that we use are not designed for these types of attacks. And so we're not the right solution for that. There are tools out there that, that are, you know, more, more adequate for you. Um, but I would be very concerned in today's environment running your own machines, mm-hmm. you know, because the, there's no way that, like, for instance, if you're hosting your environment in the cloud, uh, you know, using Azure or, or AWS yeah. or others, they have so much infrastructure in, around security. Yeah, yeah. And you can turn on security and turn off security extra security if you want there's no way to match that like if you how much can you spend as a as a small business into security a couple thousand dollars oh yeah these guys have spent billions on it yeah yeah, yeah. you know and and they're constantly monitoring it and have multiple layers and you can see attacks on the network level not necessarily at the server level and so like Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to afford to do these things nor could you even even if you had the money you couldn't do it because you're, you're you're sitting and you know in such a small fragment of the network, right? And so, um, anyway, it's up to you. But I, yeah. I would invest. I would. I would consider putting some things in the cloud, and then if you must maintain a, a network, then you, you know, yourself, then you may want to block it from outside the internet. Now, I do. Uh, I do know that our, our family business. We have a family business here in this in the area, and we actually have moved all of our data to AWS for that reason because there was at one point. We had a attack happened at our our business, and we are we are a multi million dollar business. Uh, my my dad's businesses, and they had an attack happen at the business that shut down the entire network, um, and they actually locked our servers, locked us out of our servers. Wow. The company that we use was able to regain access, and uh, as our security company, our IT company, they were able to get us access. And then after that, they recommended we move all our client data to the cloud. So we are now using a full on AWS suite. I don't know what. Don't ask me which is. I'm not part of that team, um, but I do know that we moved all our client data to AWS. Yeah, that's that's the right move. You know, you, you're you're you know trusting uh, an organization that's capable mm-hmm. of 
maintaining security. And and when was the last time you heard of you know AWS going down or having some major data breach? It just it maybe it has happened and mm-hmm. you know throughout the years, but I I don't remember the last time that happened. What you is know? your what are your what is your company's plans on towards moving towards the future? So it's like what's your five year plan? Like do you have a five year plan of what you're going to do in the next five years, like bringing the company forward as as things change, as things innovate differently. Yeah, we're we're looking at uh, lots of different things. So one is expanding our uh, privacy portfolio in terms of tools and 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 how we look at privacy. You know, we, we want to mitigate privacy. Don't mm-hmm. don't necessarily want to turn off and uh, you know limit access consumers' access to information. Nor do we want to limit advertisers or data gatherers access to the consumer there mm-hmm. is a need for data sharing there is a need for advertising that's how the world moves right yes. so consumers want to see products they want to buy products and so last thing you want to do is go into facebook or or go to google and and be blocked from seeing advertising because you turned off all data access right yeah and so well what you don't want like if you're searching for health issues you don't want that information shared no, no, no. Right. If you do, if you're traveling and you're posting something online, you, you don't want everyone to know that you're not home. Yeah. Right. And so there are those instances that you want to control with ease, and you want to control them in such a way where you can turn them off and turn them turn them on, as you de- as you decide, and not mm-hmm. someone else. So that's one area. The other area that we're interested in is monetization. How do consumers make money off of sharing their data? Right now, that doesn't happen. Right. You're yeah. basically don't even know who has your data. Some third mm-hmm. party has it. They don't tell you who, when they took it from you or what they did with it. And so if you're going to be in that situation, then you should mitigate and be able to say, okay, here's my data, but I want to be paid. And so that's actually great for everyone because if the data guy who gets your data is giving permission from you directly, then he can tell you exactly, here's how many user data, but here's a dollar, here's $5 or $10. And that kind of, I know it sounds complicated, but at the end of the day, if we can figure this out and, and you can create this, this marketplace where data is, is properly shared, properly stored, third-party verified, some standards and, and rules and laws apply, then everybody wins. The data gatherer, the consumer, you know, but right now we have a free-for-all, it's wild west. Nobody, nobody knows what's going on. No, no one's accountable. It's just, Crazy. Yeah, I was actually, that's kind of funny you said that because I think that's actually a good idea because like, okay, someone has my data, they're marketing it for someone else to sell me something, right. but I'm not making any money off of that because I'm just the one, I'm just, they're making money off of me, making money off of someone else. And right. it's like, why can't I, why can't I get in on that? So I like the idea. That's actually quite a monetizing your data to help others around you. I think that's a really cool idea. I, I'm surprised that is there, is there really anybody doing that right now? Or is there other yeah, there, people? Are, there, are, there are some companies out there. They're uh, trying to figure this out using the blockchain. I'm not sure if that's the right direction, but the concept isn't, hasn't been fully sort of developed. There are a lot mm-hmm. of standards out there for advertising and Google keeps moving the sort of the, the standard, right? They're the standard like, ultimately. But then yeah. you have the, the law that's there and the law doesn't understand the, the complexity of the algorithm that, that Facebook and, and, and Google uses or Amazon for that matter or Apple. And so they constantly play this you know, kind of mouse game with each other, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the data gatherer keeps saying, oh, you know, we told you that we're going to take your data. And the consumer is like, well, I don't, 
how, when did you tell me? Oh, when you click that button that says, I, I agree, that's when you were told, right? And so that, that, that in communication, this non-explicit communication, it doesn't mm-hmm. work anymore. So if we can come up with tools, mitigation tools that can tell you um, upfront what you're signing up for, the person who's gathering your data is telling you what they're going to do. And the interesting thing is that no one's actually breaking the law here. The, the person who's collecting your data is not doing something bad with it, mm-hmm. right? They're not trying to hurt you. They're trying to sell you something. That's not, yeah. that's not a pain point. Like that's, you're not going to get hurt by someone trying to sell you something. But it's inefficient because they're not doing it in a, in a, in a sort of proactive way. They're not being fully you know, transparent about it. And so it creates this ambiguous gray area you know, of law and technology that doesn't need to be there. And so we're hoping to be part of the solution. And um, the other area of opportunity is... Uh, the metaverse and so mm-hmm. as we get into the metaverse uh hopefully in a way that makes sense and not just playing video games but actually being using it for productivity which is the intent uh there's going to be security concerns there mm-hmm. and privacy concerns just like they are in the real world and so these areas are brand new there's no standards as always it's kind of like a you know free-for-all but you know, if masses go to metaverse and we're using avatars as a way to communicate with each other, you you, you can be assured there's going to be crime and there's going to be data theft and all that. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the other area we're looking at. Have you seen an increase in, I think there's actually been some articles on it, but have you seen an increase in cybersecurity crimes since uh, you started the company? Well, there's there's a compounding effect because there's more people online. Their, mm-hmm. their developed world is is now online. Internet speeds have increased. So yeah, there's a compounding effect of cybercrime. But um, the impact, the, 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 it's not just the volume of attacks, the actual outcome, the financial impact has increased. So more money is being stolen, more money is being you know, tied up in mm-hmm. these lockup uh, situations where the ransomware situations, uh, companies don't have the resources to mitigate these problems. So a lot of times they'll just pay the ransom because it's cheaper to pay the ransom than to fix the problem, right? And so they, you know, and the demands are, if a hospital goes down for an hour, what would they rather do, pay the ransom or or negotiate with, with the cybersecurity company to fix the problem? Because that, that mm-hmm. could take months. And so you, if you can't be offline as a hospital, you're, every hour goes by, you may lose people, right? And so... Um, those situations are tough schools and, you know, critical infrastructure uh, areas of, of, of the internet that, that internet's connected to are going to be the ones who are going to be suffering the most. And unfortunately, again, going back to my earlier point, there are no standards in technology. There's not mm-hmm. standard. Like if you build a car today, you have to have department of transportation, give you approval. Yep. If you sell a car in the United States, you can't just go build a car in your garage and start making copies of it. Right. Right. But you can do that with technology, right? You can start a company tomorrow and no one's going to ask you why or what or, or how. Like you just go do it and you just mm-hmm. connect to the internet and start selling your tech. But the tech stack is never validated by anybody. There's no third party that says, what code are you using inside your application? Is that code properly designed? Is it mm-hmm. using third party data from maybe sending data to countries that we have an embargo against? You know, are you storing the data correctly? Like yep. there's no oversight of that. And so yeah. who's responsible for it? You know, it's, it's a big guessing um, game. We're coming up on our time, but real quick, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk back about the data thing. You know, I find it fascinating because Google, Amazon, and even Facebook are always listening because when I, yesterday I was talking to my girlfriend about this product 
And I remember that like both our phones were in the room and literally like an hour later, we got all these similar product things on our phone from Amazon, Google, uh, uh, Facebook. And it was fascinating because we were actually really interested in the product. And the fact that we got like similar things that were actually cheaper and the same good quality was, is great. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with data sharing data, but I do think monetization of the data needs to change. Whereas like the consumer is also making some kind of deal on that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the the you know the 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 whole the whole concept behind the data monetization is going to be very difficult to uh, sort of um, manage uh, to the extent that we're you know the standards have to be created first, mm-hmm. and then we can come up with a business model that can that that basically says uh, you know here here's uh, uh, how the law interprets this type of sharing this is all and then framework after the framework of the law is in place then you can go and create monetization tools around it and and you know create some sort of a sort of understanding in the marketplace but right now there's no there's no because the problem is is we have four companies the fangs right the the facebook and the googles of the world are driving those rules there's no no one is forming those rules around them they're the ones coming up with the rules for themselves and how is that? That's not that's not re- reasonable. Imagine the no. car industry said, "Here's how the bumper is going to work. Here's how the seatbelt is going to be. These standards for the seatbelt. Like, well, there's a group out there, Department of Transportation, who sets those standards, and they tell the automotive industry how to implement. Same thing with FDA. You know, pharma 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 businesses don't come up with their own rules. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, we're in a in a very precarious space. I think we're because of cyber attacks and you know. The, the wars are going on right now, we're going to have to come up with new new laws. And I think that's around the corner. Definitely. Um, well, hey, Gary, we are on our time. But thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, I look forward to seeing what your company does in the future and actually looking forward to checking it out myself and maybe even implementing it on some of my clients' computers. Sounds great. Thank you, All Joel. Right. You're welcome, Gary. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you.